I want for us this morning to focus especially upon verse number 36, verse 36 of Genesis chapter 42. And Jacob, their father, said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, so he thinks. And Simeon is not. And ye will take Benjamin away? All these things are against me. I would simply put over the message today a, a dismal outlook, a bleak, dismal, gloomy outlook. And uh, maybe you can identify with Jacob. I'm sure we all can, as the saints of the Lord, as we give way to our trials. It may be a diminishing bank balance, coping with a credit crunch. I thought maybe that's the, the title I've given a message this morning, but maybe you're suffering under a diminishing bank balance. Maybe you're suffering under diminishing health. Or it may be the, the diminishing spirituality, we could say, of our children. We've been thinking about this in recent days. And such has been your trials that, like Jacob, you say, all, all these things are against me. And maybe you have the same dismal outlook today. With very few exceptions. Very few. This is our mindset in times of trouble. Instead of looking on the brief bleak, rather the bright side of things, we look on the bleak, on the black. And rather than focus or call to mind all the benefits of salvation, all the sufferings of Christ for us, all that amazing weight of glory, soon to be ours, I say soon to be ours, we dwell upon the difficulties. Doom and gloom colors, blackens everything, even the good and blessed. And it distorts our view of things. Isn't it true that we tend to exaggerate our trials and diminish our mercies? Well, perhaps we say this is really just human nature. Uh, I was interested here on Wednesday night, our brother Mercer make a little confession. He said he tends to be a pessimist by nature. Of course, the Bible does say confess your faults. That, that's a command, by the way. Confess your faults. And I'll confess one of mine, and then I'll leave it to you to confess one or two of yours. Confess your faults one to another. Mr. Mercer said that he tended to see the glass half empty as opposed to being half full, and that he was pessimistic at times by nature. Well, I, I have a confession. I, I can be very positive and upbeat, but then, in a very quick matter of time, I can become a pessimist, an unbeliever. And I think sometimes we could do well with those first stabilizers on the big ships out in sea. Keeps them growing up, too far up, or too far down. And sometimes we need those stabilizers of the Holy Spirit to keep us from going too far up 
or from too far down. We say, well, it's just human nature. Well, it may be true, but remember the sinful human nature. And this pessimism is so dishonoring to God and destructive to ourselves. And it leads to the pain of despondency. Have you ever been there? When you're wrecked, body, soul, and mind, despondency, and it distorts our and destroys our joy, the enjoyment of the Christian life. And therefore, I want for us for a few moments today to consider this matter of a dismal outlook that where necessary it might be corrected. That instead of focusing on the bleak, we will look on the bright. Because that is far, far closer to the true state of affairs for the child of God. Now I have just given you my two points and I'm going to start with the first one. That being the bleak outlook. So, first point. We're going to consider this bleak or black outlook. All these things, Jacob said, are against me. So Jacob here begins in his present trial to see things apparently, and I stress apparently, that are against him. And he verbalizes his thoughts, as we often do. All these things are against me. There's no problem to tell what Jacob is thinking and how he's feeling at this point in time. Now, we can certainly understand. I mean, I've been there. We've all been there. And so we don't speak harshly of Jacob. We certainly can understand his sorrowful statement. Verse 36, three of his children are in trouble. One he thinks is there. Jacob, their father, said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not. So he thinks. Joseph's dead and gone. Simeon is not. And ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. So Joseph, Simeon, and Benjamin, it seems, are one by one sinking into untimely graves. And God, he thinks, is dealing harshly with him. All his hopes are crushed. But he was not right in his statements. And he was guilty of rash judgment. Our thorns are not placed in our pillows in anger, but in love. And I would say, please, child of God, love him in return. As you seek to bear up under your trials. Try to bear in mind that afflictions are a preservative. Sage Spurgeon once said, None of us shall know till we read our biographies in the light of heaven. From what inbred sins, foul corruptions, damnable uncleanness, and detestable lusts we have been delivered from. By being driven again and again and again along the fiery road of affliction. So they are definitely a preservative. We need to bear that in mind. What's more, they are stimulative. Because they take from us the ease and the sloth and the temptations that accompany such ease. 
that uh, they come with such. And so these, very often, these trials are stimulative. And they're like that ox goat that uh, the farmer takes, sticks into his ox to get him going. And this sometimes is how we, we need to view our particular trials. They're stimulative. That they are also instructive. Because they get us beyond the ABCs of Christianity. God doesn't want us to stay at that level of Christianity. And they take us into the deeper things of God. And we will also see shortly, and I want you to bear this in mind, that they are a preparative for glory. Now we're going to see that in the case of Jacob in a few moments' time as we bring the message to a close. So remember this thought, they are preparative for the glory that God has in store for us. It should be noted that Jacob exaggerated his trials when he said, all these things are against me. All these things, in actual fact, there were just three things that appeared to be against them. But even here he jumps to a wrong conclusion. He talks as if Simeon were already dead. And that Benjamin, if he brings him to go down to Egypt, will be summarily executed. He also lashes out at his children. When he charges me, have ye bereaved my children? That was an unfair charge. And of course we're prone to do such when we're under affliction. There may be a hint here too of, well, of Jacob finding fault with God. I tell you, when Joseph lamented, all these things are against me, not a word of it was true. Not a single solitary word of that statement was true. And we're going to see that in a few moments' time. Joseph, he pines, is not. No, dear Jacob, Joseph is. The beasts have devoured him. No. He, second only to Pharaoh, is presently ruling in Egypt. And Simeon, he's gone. No, wrong again. He has been bound only perhaps to cool his hot, headlong spirit. And then, moreover, he thinks, beloved Benjamin, tragedy will surely, surely befall him. No, wrong. Three times wrong. Not a word of it's true. He's going to Egypt to see your brother, or his brother, Joseph. And Joseph has been sent to Egypt to feed not only you, your family, but Egypt, Judah, in fact, the whole world. And he has been sent there, Jacob, to cherish, to nourish you in your old age. So that your last years are going to be your best years. No, Jacob, I'm glad to be able to tell you that you've got it all wrong. Every word wrong. I remember working for a man, he was a Christian man, in Canada for a company called Heat Pumps of Canada. And he had a son who was very, very pessimistic, professing Christian. 
And uh, the business wasn't going too well, and so he tried to encourage his son, as this Christian man, and uh, to get out and make the word known, to spread the, 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 the business abroad. And he said, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. And just, he no sooner had that text in his mouth, the son said, Yeah, I'll see it after many days, all wet and mildewed. But what a statement for a Christian. Oh, wet and melted. Unbelief is a great liar. And through it, in our own ignorance, we imagine what is actually for us is against us. It distorts our views that we come to the wrong conclusion virtually every time. We say of famine, we say of poverty, it will deprive us. Well, in actual fact, it is sent for our spiritual enrichment. Do you know, unbelief makes fools of us too. I think I can see Jacob stamping his feet and shouting a bit and saying, that there's no way, there's no way you're going to take Benjamin down to Egypt. Meanwhile, Simeon is left suffering in bonds, his family is starving, and all the while, great abundance and blessing awaits him in Egypt. No, he's not going to go down. God, God often sends his mercies to us in black envelopes. And we sit down and cry over their decimal covering and dare not open the letter and read the heavenly and the happy news written inside. And then the cry, all these things against me, was unwarranted by his past experience. I mean, Jacob was a man of troubles from his youth. He fled his father's house in exile. And there in Bethel he had a stone for his pillow. The nations around him were intent on avenging the blood of the Shechemites by obliterating he and his family, but God stayed their hand. And God's hand was upon him for good. God had not forsaken him in the past. Will he desert him now? This is a type of reasoning that we need. How often could Jacob, and he did, raise his Ebenezer to the Lord, declaring, Hitherto, hitherto hath the Lord helped me. And how many gracious, loving Ebenezers we've experienced. Do they, child of God, count for nothing? Do they count for nothing? Well, let us not be so unkind as to doubt our loving and faithful friend of Calvary. Our friend of Calvary. We have proved him in the past. God is giving us fresh opportunities to improve, to rather prove him now. And give God, of course, the opportunity of improving us through the trial that he in his mercy and his grace has sent our way. So let us think twice about those things that we say and those things that we feel under the heavy trial, perhaps, that we're experiencing even in recent Day. So I would say enough of the bleak. 
enough of a black outlook. God deserves far better. We know that. And he deserves, we could say secondly, from us the brightest of outlooks. That's what God deserves. That's what he has merited. This is what we have proved concerning God in past days. The brightest of outlook should be the, the outlook of every child of God. You say, well, you don't know this. You don't know what trouble I've had in my family. No, God does. But I can tell you this. You ought not to judge the Lord by feeble sense. What people are now is not what they shall be. Don't judge the Lord on the basis of those things you see right now. That's not the way it's going to be. But trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling heavenly face. What wonderful words are those words of Cowper that we sung just a few moments ago. So the brightest, this is what God deserves. It would have been far more worthy of God and far more conducive to his own peace of mind for Jacob to have reasoned. Here's the reasoning of faith. Well, God has blessed me in times past, in past trusts. And therefore, I will trust him somehow. I don't understand how. But I know he's a God of miracles. I've seen him do it before. And I... I'm just going to trust him now. I know somehow God is going to bring blessing out of this present trial. And my previous afflictions under God worked out for me. They didn't work against me. They worked out for me, for my good. And surely then, these current blessings, these current difficulties will do the same. I will not despair then, but I will hope. I will have the brightest of After all, God loves me, deceiver though I be. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Was there anything good in Jacob for God to love? Not a thing. He was ever been as wicked as Esau. But here is the sovereign plan and purpose of God. Jacob have I loved. Why? Because I would love him. I can't give you the answer. I'm telling you that. God alone knows the cause. It was his own deep love. That was the cause. Nothing good in Jacob. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And now I've just been a sinful supplanter and deceiver. That's what the name Jacob means. He lived up to his name. Nothing worthy of the blessing of God in my life. Jacob I will love, yet Esau I hated. He graciously revealed himself to me, Bethel, not destroying me, but saving me. He entered into a sure covenant there with me. He promised to be with me and to keep me, provide for me, protect me, wherever he would lead me. And he would bring me again into my father's house in peace. And he's done it. I stand here as proof that he's done it. I think a bit of my own situation. Whenever I enter into the pulpit, what am I doing? Showing you what God can do. I shouldn't be in this pulpit. 
I should be in some hospital bed somewhere. But Jacob said, he's done it. Look at this staff. See the staff I have in my hand. That's all I had when I left my father's house. It's all I had, just this, this one staff. But look at me now. See the cattle I have? The prosperity with which God has blessed me? I left home with a staff, and now I return with great substance. God heard my vow to, when I pledged to him I'd give him a tenth. There's a tithe. When I had nothing, I said to God, I'll give you a tenth of all that you give me. And he kept good to his word. And God wonderfully prospered him. God heard the vow, and uh, he's prospered. And then I think of Laban. Oh, there's a man I've had to deal with, my father-in-law. And uh, he's deceived me and charged, changed my wages ten times. He continually moved the goalposts on me. He never stuck to a bargain, never. But God always has. And God always will. And uh, he thought to hurt me. He thought to ruin me. But uh, I didn't get bitter, I got better. I committed this trial afresh to the Lord. And so he's beginning to reason how God has kept him through all these years and all these trials and all these difficulties. God has kept him to that very point of time in his own experience. He thinks of Paniah. Again, God was true to his promise. And how can I forget my experience with Esau? You remember how the two brothers parted? It was war. And now at this point in his life here in uh, Genesis, here comes Esau with those 400 men. And uh, Jacob thinks, he's going to kill me. But you know what happened? Think about it. He's going to kill What did he do? He kissed him. Esau kissed him. Jacob thought, he's going to kill me. And all the while, God prepared his heart. God had changed his heart over those years. And when they met together, after many years, they kissed. Just Jacob, Esau kissed his brother Jacob. So, surely, he thinks, after all this experience, surely God will bless me now. And uh, prosper my hand. You know, Jacob's trials. Now I'm coming now to what I said at the beginning of our message. I'm coming to this thought of these trials being pre preparations for heaven. You see, dear Christian, if God be for us, who can be against us? God is the God of the trial. He lives in victory over the trial. And he sends these trials. And these trials in the case of Jacob and in the case of every child of God were preparing him for the greatest blessing of his life. And it was just around the corner. I didn't ask you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 46. I haven't asked you to turn to many verses this morning. But as we close I'm going to ask you to turn to Genesis 46 and the verse number 29. 
And we're just, of course, thinking about how that Jacob is so discouraged, so depressed. All these things are against me. Just around the corner, there was a blessing. The blessing, the greatest blessing was life. And we read of it here in Genesis 46. And the verse number 29. And Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen. And presented himself unto him, and he fell on his neck, and wept on his neck a good while. What a wonderful reunion. Jacob, Jacob thought his son Joseph was dead, but he's alive. And what a wonderful reunion this must have been. It's a wonderful picture, of course, of that great union in heaven of God the Father and God the Son. As the Son ascended into glory. What a wonderful reunion that must have been. Well, this reflection we've been reading of here, and yet this wonderful blessing in Genesis 49, was the greatest blessing of his life. And it was just around the corner when he uttered those faithless words, all these things are against me. Just take another step or two, Jacob. We tend to halt under trial. Just keep Taking that step, you don't know where the next step is going to lead. All these things, no, you've got it all wrong. Keep on going. Keep on taking another step. Keep on walking with God. And God had for him just, just as he was uttering the very words. God had blessing, tremendous blessing in store for Jacob. In reality, all these things were for him. These things weren't against him. These things were for him. You see, dear Christian, if God be for us, now we knew that theologically, but what about practically? What about the height, perhaps, of your storm? That's when God is looking for the response of the soul that trusts in him. God is working everything out for the believer's good and his own eternal glory. And we know, maybe you've lost heart in many cases, we know that deep down all things under God work together for our good. Two more verses I'm going to give you before we close today. It's found in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, perhaps we just momentarily turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and the verse number 17. And I think that if I had said these words to Jacob, just as he uttered his own words, all these things are against me, I don't know what he would do to me. If I was to say, our light affliction, yes, Jacob, our light affliction, all these things are against me. But our light affliction, which is but for a moment, so it's light, it's transitory, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The weight and the time. While, now here's the thought I want to leave with you today. While we look, it has to do with our outlook. While we look not at the things which are seen, that's trouble. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
So under a momentary light affliction, we are to focus upon that far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And don't miss this while we look. Here's the outlook. You say, is the outlook important? It's very important. The outlook is extremely important. Especially in the time of deep, difficult distress. What is our outlook? While we look not at the things, don't give, pay attention to them. While we think not or look not upon the things that are seen, that we don't like to see. While we look not at the things which are seen, but that which is not seen. That's faith. We see blessing when there's no blessing to see. When we look beyond our trials to the one who has sent them. And has great blessing in store for us. I would say this morning, dear child of God, look. I know it's easy to say, but to some degree and measure, God has brought me through a great trial. Look beyond your griefs to the God of glory and of grace. Because I tell you this, before long we'll be there. And these few short trials, if we can call them that, comparing them to glory, they won't even come to mind. What did we get so upset about that for? With nothing. God had it in his hand. He had it all planned, all worked out. Those needless tears, that needless heartache, before long, will be there in glory. We were talking about ages this morning. Uh, well, I'm going to make two confessions. I'm, if I get this correct, about 63. And I think 63. When I was the age of some young people here, I thought, 60, that's ancient. That's ancient. 63 years. But God has never, after many years of walking with him, over 50, he has never, never failed. And he'll not fail you, dear child of God. And how quickly those years have come and gone. And soon, just a few short steps beyond, I'm going to be in glory. That should be our outlook. Far more exceeding and eternal weight 